0: wonderful. Well, I hope all of you have enjoyed the day as much as I have. It has been a great blessing to be here with you dear people again this year. Uh, I got home today after lunch, and uh, I'm staying in a condo, and out on the back porch is the most restful place I've ever seen. And I, I, I thought. <clears throat> I'm not going to watch any football. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not going to take my iPhone. I'm not even going to take my Bible. I'm just going to sit out there and meditate. Think about God, okay? And uh, I think I meditated for about five minutes. <laughs> then I fell asleep. And when I woke up, I looked at my watch and I thought, good night. I've been asleep an hour and a half. (laughs) So I hope all of y'all got a good nap this afternoon as well as I did. And uh, that means we can stay here till 30, 9 o'clock, as long as I preach. (laughs) Okay, uh, tonight, and and, uh, let let me preface what I'm going to say later by saying this, that I have absolutely nothing to boast about, other than the cross of Jesus Christ, okay? And uh, I mentioned this morning how I was born in 1933 and born into abject poverty. I mean, uh, when I graduated from high school, by the way, we did not get electricity in our house until I was a senior in high school. Back in those days, we had to watch television in the dark. Okay, <laughs> But we didn't have any of the things that we think is absolutely necessary today. And uh, so what I'm going to say tonight, none of it is uh, any glory, any praise to Don says, but all praise to God. And after all, the Bible says, whether therefore we eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Now, we are happy to testify about our salvation, but uh, some things are a little bit hard for some of us. And this is a little bit difficult for me, but it won't be too difficult because I have a good time with it, okay? But uh, uh, about giving. Tonight, I want to talk to you on this subject how God taught me to be a giver. How God taught me to be a giver. And uh, we're going to look at several verses, or you're going to listen to them at least, okay? And we'll talk about different phases of, of giving. Uh, my wife and I were married uh, in 1952. And uh, after our marriage, we went up to Gary, Indiana to get a job. And we lived in a little trailer park in uh, Black Oak, Indiana, uh, right right next to Gary. And uh, we joined the Black Oak Baptist Church. And uh, we had probably been there maybe a month, maybe a little bit longer. But uh, one day, uh, Brother W. E. Jones, our pastor, got up and he read from Malachi chapter three. And he read verses like this. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? And he said, in tithes and offering. And then he said, bring you all the tithes in the storehouse and prove me herewith, saith the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. And uh, that morning, Brother W. Jones preached a very simple message on tithing. Now, I, I think... I had uh, heard about tithing before. But if I did, it just went in one ear and out the other. By the way, did you ever hear the story about the two deacons and the preacher that went deer hunting? A big buck deer came inside and all three of them shot at him. And uh, they were standing there arguing which bullet killed him. The game wouldn't come up. He said, uh, well, what's, what's your What's your argument? Well, uh, all of us shot this deer. We don't know which one killed us. And the game warden said, uh, "Now, now, what, what are you folks anyway?" And one of them said, "Well, two of us are deacons, and this man is the pastor." So the game warden picked up that big book by his head, looked at it, and he said, "Now, now, which one of you is the preacher?" And the preacher lifted his hand. Okay, it was your bullet. And the two deacons said, "How do you know that?" He said, well, it went in one ear and out the other, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that's the way a lot of my messages do. But, but that day, he real simple uh, preached a message on tithing. And uh, when he read that verse, will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me. And tithes off, and I thought, I, I, for sure, I wouldn't want to rob anybody. But by all means, I wouldn't want to rob God, you know. So he got my attention. And basically, he just described, the tithe is at least 10% of everything that God gives you. By the way, everything we have is a gift from God. Everything. And by the way, we're not owners of anything. We're just God's stewards of what he puts in our hand. But he said, now, the tithe is 10%, and you're to be, that's to be given through the church, Bring you all the tithe into the storehouse. And uh, he said, now, uh, if you don't tithe, you're robbing God. Now, he didn't say that that day, but I've thought it many, many times. If you don't tithe, you're robbing yourself because there's promises in the Bible in Malachi that God is going to do something for the tither. And when he finished preaching that morning, I went forward. And by the way, that's, that's a good thing to do. If God speaks to your heart about a definite decision, one of the best places to settle that thing is right at the altar. So I went forward and uh, I said to Brother Jones, I said, Brother Jones, I, I believe what you've preached tonight, you preach preached from the Bible. And by the way, that's the same way I still preach it. I'm still using the same Bible that, that he used back in 1952, the King James Bible. And so I preach the same way that Brother Jones did. And uh, so the, the tithe is to be given to the church. That's for the, the church. And by the way, it's a very simple thing. If every member of the church tithes, the church is never gonna have financial problems. And he says, uh, and then if you tithe, God will bless you. So I I went forward and I told Brother Jones, I believe what you preach. And from this day forward, everything God gives me, I will give at least 10% of that back to God through whatever church I'm a member of. And uh, he prayed with me. And then he told the congregation, Don has come forward today. And he's made a commitment to be a tither. Guess what? When he said that, the treasurer of Black Oak Baptist Church didn't jump up and say, well, now that Don is going to be a tither, our financial problems are over. Now, some of you can remember 1952, okay? I was working at Keene's Foundry. I was making a dollar an hour. So my tithe was $4 a week. And somebody said, well, good night. If my tithe was just $4 a week, I would have my tithing. But my dear friend, when you only have $36 left, that's not much, amen. Now, why do you say that? My commitment to tithe did not make an impact on the treasure of Black Oak Baptist Church. <clears throat> but it made an impact on me. It proved to me that if I would do what God told me to do, then God would take care of me. And that's a good thing. And uh, now when I first started, it it was pretty legalistic. I mean, if I worked overtime, five hours, and I made uh, $45, then I'd give $4.50. I didn't want to overdo it. (laughs) You know. And by the way, I get all kinds of questions about tithing. The one most common is, Brother says, do you believe we ought to tithe off of our net income or our gross income? And I've heard that so many times. I've got a good answer for it, all right? God has promised to bless you if you tithe. And so in reality, you have to decide, do I want his gross blessings or net blessings? Now, I'm not sure about you, but but I'd rather have his gross blessings, amen. So think about it. I went to church. A man of God took the Bible, and he preached about tithing, and that's how I learned about tithing. 1968, I was uh, preaching in the uh, church in Chicago, Illinois, where Dr. Wayne Van Gilderen Pastor. And uh, Wayne Van Gilden had Dr. Billy McCarroll to come over on Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. And uh, those three nights, he preached from 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. Now, both of those chapters are about an offering. And the offering that is explained and he's encouraging the church at Corinth to get involved in was a rather wealthy church, the church at Corinth. Uh, but, but he had used the churches of Macedonia as an example. And they were going through great persecution. Uh, they were in deep poverty, but they gave generously. Now, the offering he was talking about in chapters 8 and 9 of Second Corinthians, and again, that would be good for all of you just to go home tonight and and read those two chapters. But that offering was not for the church at Corinth. Now, it was to be given through the church at Corinth, but it was to go to things outside of Corinth. And uh, when we think of a gift for something other than our local church, then I think immediately we think about a mission offering. And I listened to Dr. Billy McCarroll on Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. I had lunch with he and Dr. Van Gildren on Tuesday and Wednesday, and I picked their brains as much as I could about that thing. And and, and it was giving something above your regular tithe and offering for missions. Now, he labeled that faith promise giving, and that's what I usually talk about. Now, you don't have faith promise giving, okay? But on your envelope, there is a place for mission giving. And uh, I remember three things he said. He said, it's simple. I like that. Abraham Lincoln said, God must have loved simple people. He made so many of us. I'm I'm glad Virginia loved simple things. (laughs) Amen. She married me. Okay. He said, it's simple. Number two, he said, it's successful. Not, I I said, I like that. If you're going to do something, you might as well do the best you can and do it as effectively as you can. And then he said, and it's scriptural. And I thought, well, okay. Even though it's simple and even though it's successful, if it's not scriptural, it may not really work. But If it is scriptural, then it is effective anywhere in the world. Doesn't matter how poor a person may be. Doesn't matter how rich a person may be. uh, All the things that are in those two chapters apply to giving something to missions on a weekly basis. On the first day of the week. And Paul urged him to bring all your offerings in. In other words, he was preparing them for the offering that they were taking for the poor saints back in Jerusalem. So I went home and I told my pastor what I learned. He said, okay, if you can teach that to our people, uh, we'll begin to use that as a method for our giving to missions. And I did. 1968, I was a missionary on furlough from Japan. My total support as a missionary was $500 a week, a month. Now you say, you can't do that. I know, but we did, okay. God miraculously provided in those early days in Japan. And uh, after preaching to others, we took up our commitments. And I remember writing on a commitment card, by faith in God, I promised to give X number of dollars a week through my church for world evangelization. And I put down there $5. Now, that was 1968. I, again, you say, well, you didn't have much faith, did you? But if you only have $5, $500 a month support and you're a missionary in Japan, that takes some faith. Now, I gave that every week. Guess what? God provided. And so the next year, I put down $10 a week. And I did that for a year. And that the next year, I put down $20 a week. And I did that, and God provided. The next year, I put down $80 a week. And then I had to quit doubling it. <laughs> I mean, you can get into the millions in a hurry like that. But every year, now for 54 years, every year when we have our mission conference at my local church, I increase my faith promise giving by at least $5, okay? Now, do, do the math, okay? Now, I couldn't have begun where I am now, uh, but I, I started where I was. If we are faithful in a little, then God will give us more. If we're unfaithful with a little bit God gives us, then uh, God's not going to give us more. Uh, I, I love the verse in Luke six thirty eight that we read tonight. Listen to it. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, Shall men give them to your bosom? For the same measure you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Now, now, that's a good agricultural illustration. And most of the illustrations in the Bible are that. Because that's how most people made their living back in those days. And here, here's a picture a farmer has a basket, and he puts some wheat in that basket. And uh, he puts it up all the way to the top. And then he takes his hands and he pushes it down. Okay. And then he shakes it together. Okay, shakes it. And it just goes down a little more. And then he fills it up again all the way to the top. Now, here's a good farmer. And uh, this is what Jesus is teaching us. I mean, Jesus is the one that said, give and it shall be given to you. And uh, here's a farmer. He wants to be sure that when somebody buys something from him, they get all that they deserve and more. And that's what Jesus is saying. Give and it shall be given unto you. Uh, How many of you remember the word a baker's dozen? Any of you? Sure, okay. What does that mean? You go to the bakery, you buy a dozen donuts and the baker puts in an extra one. So you get 13 donuts instead of 12. Now, that was back years ago. I think now if you go to the bakery and buy a dozen donuts, you'd probably get 11, okay? <laughs> but it, it's, a, it's a different But the bottom line is, is this, that, that, that Jesus is saying, Hey, whatever you give to me, I'm going to give you something a whole lot better. Huh? Give and it shall be given unto you. And, and, and by the way, and God's not asking us to give to make him richer. <laughs> we couldn't do that. I mean, now after all, the Bible teaches us through faith we understand that the world, not, not just planet Earth, But the worlds were formed by the word of God. And Colossians tell us that it was created by him and for him. So why would God want me to give out of my meager amount to him? So he can bless me. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Press down. Check it together and running over. In uh, Proverbs verse 11, chapter 11, verse 24, the Bible says this, there is that scattereth. Again, agriculture. Here's a farmer, and he just scatters some seed here, scatters some seed here, scatters some. There is that scattereth, and yet increaseth. Hey, by the way, when a farmer sows some seed, he didn't say, well, that's the end of that seed. No, no. He's going to reap a crop from it. There is that scattereth and yet increases. Then he said, there is that withholdeth more than is meat, and it tendeth to poverty. In other words, there are people that are keeping a whole lot more than they should and it tends to poverty. Okay? So that's how God taught me to give, to missions. Let me give you one verse. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Talking about giving to missions. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Hey, by the way, teach your children to give to missions. And you give to missions. Wouldn't it be something if every member of Beacon Baptist Church, if every member would give something every week to world evangelization. Just think about it. If all of God's people, all of the Christians just in North America would do that, we could have no problem supporting every missionary that wants to go to the mission field and supplying for them while they're there. So that's how God taught me to give to mission. Then same year in 1968, I was in a preacher's meeting up in Detroit, Michigan. And um, an elderly preacher was preaching. I thought he was an old man. He was 75 years old. I was 38. So I thought he was, now I realize he was just in prime of life. Amen. But he got up and he read uh, Acts twenty thirty five. Paul Paul had met with the elders of the church at Ephesus, the preachers and so forth. And he had taught them of great things. Oh, that's a great chapter. But at the end of that, he said, now remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he said, what? it is more blessed to give than receive. And Brother Hafford Oberby preached a wonderful message on joyful giving. Now, I was giving my time. I was giving my faith promise. But to be honest, sometimes it wasn't so joyful. You know, you've been there. I was out in Kankakee, Illinois one time. And uh, the young preacher said, now we're going to take an miss- uh, offering for missions. He said, if you can't give it cheerfully, just keep it. And I thought, that may be dangerous in a Baptist church. Okay. <laughs> but a few weeks after that, I was with Dr. Tom Wallace in Louisville, Kentucky. He said, Now the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver, but it said he'll take it from an old grouch. <laughs> I thought, okay, he might, but the old grouch will lose his reward. Amen. But he preached just a wonderful message that day on the joy of giving. And, and you could tell by looking at it, man, he meant it. And he gave some illustrations that, uh, that it was just absolutely phenomenal. And. Uh, that changed my life. Hey, by the way, let me, let me tell you something. We don't have to give. You can go to heaven without giving a penny. You don't have to give. You get to give. Sometimes we need to reprogram our minds. Well, it's Sunday. I have to go to church. They're taking up an offering. I have to put something in. They're going out evangelizing. I have to go. Our God's called me to preach. I have to preach. God's called me to be a missionary. I have to be a missionary. Wouldn't it be better to think like this? It's Sunday. I get to go to church. They're taking an offering. God's been good to me. He's given to me. I get to give something back to God. Huh? My church is going out and visiting, knocking on doors, handing out tracts, whatever. I get to do that. Isn't it wonderful? God has allowed each of us to be involved in his program. And, and I, I had a, a brand new thinking about giving. Joyful giving. Now, you say, Brother Sis, do you like to get things? sure i'm human all of us like to get things but i can say from the depth of my heart as sincere as i can be for me it's more joyful to give than to receive i believe what jesus is saying the person that lives to give is a whole lot happier than the person that lives to get if you just live to get something then you're totally dependent on somebody else giving to you. But if you live to give, you can always find somebody, some cause that you want to give to. I read missionary letters. Uh, I've not been at home over one day at a time for about three weeks. And when I go home tomorrow, there'll be about... Fifty missionary prayer letters on my desk, and I will read every one of them. And and as best I can, I write them a little note, thinking for what they're doing. And many times, God will speak to my heart. You need to help this one. You need to help this one. Yeah. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So, from Robert W. Jones. He opened the Bible in the church. He taught me about tithing. Dr. Billy McCarroll opened his Bible Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, taught me about giving to missions. I mean, not just nominal giving, but really giving. Okay. Brother Halford Overby taught me about joyful giving. In uh, 2000 and I resigned as president of BIMI and uh, wasn't real sure what I was going to do after that. Uh, I, I knew I didn't want to just sit in a rocking chair and rock my life away or, or play golf five days a week. Uh, two days enough a week would be enough for me. Okay, <laughs> Back in those days. But in, anyway, I, I wasn't real sure what I was going to do. <clears throat> and I, I was preaching in a leadership meeting at the Lancaster Baptist Church. And I didn't know it then, but Dr. Mark Rasmussen and Dr. Paul Chaplin had my future all planned out. And they persuaded me that I should come to West Coast Baptist College and teach missions for one semester. Just come, one semester. And I got to thinking and praying. I thought that's a good idea we have a new president, I'll be out of his hair, I won't be in Chattanooga. And that's a good idea. And um, anyway, I I went out in 2003. And Virginia and I taught missions at West Coast Baptist College. And uh, then we would go out in January, teach one semester, after graduation, go back to Chattanooga. By the way, We taught missions one semester for 15 years in a row. (laughs) And it it was a wonderful 15 years. When I first went out there, I I told the students, I said, now, I hear, I've heard that if you want to stay young, to associate with young people. So he said, I said, now, one of the reasons I've come out here, I want to associate with young people. Now, the other side of that, if you want to get old in a hurry, try to keep up with them, okay? So I said, I'm not going to try to keep up with you. But every February, uh, Lancaster Baptist Church, for probably now 35 years in a row, takes up a big offering. I mean, and it's usually for a building. And the offering is, is usually somewhere between a million five hundred thousand dollars to two thousand five hundred dollars. You know, every every year. Now I was preaching out every Sunday, some of the churches in the area, and but my wife stayed home. She was listening to Brother Chapel and hearing the testimonies of people that gave and. Uh, about a week before the offering, I said, hon, tell you what, let's we, we, we need, like everybody else, to give something. So you write on a piece of paper what you think we ought to give. And I'll write on a piece of paper what I think we ought to give. And then we'll compare And when it came time to compare I looked at what she had written, and I thought, hon, Paul Chapel had brainwashed you. <laughs> if we give that much, we'll starve to death. <laughs> but I thought, well, okay, she has the faith, we can do that, uh, we'll do it. That's where I learned about extravagant giving. Extravagant giving. Let me show you a perfect example of extravagant giving. Uh, Just before Christ was to be crucified, in Bethany, they were having a banquet for Jesus. And all the disciples were there. Uh, There was Simon the leper. There was Lazarus. There was Martha and Mary. And I don't know who else, but think about it. Mary sits there and she looks around. And she sees Simon. He used to be a leper. And Jesus healed him. And uh, she looked at Lazarus, her brother, and said, I remember when Jesus came Lazarus had died, and both Martha and I said, Lord, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. We both thought Jesus was late. But said, Jesus said, uh, let's go out to the tomb. And they went out there. And the Bible simply said, remember that verse? Jesus wept. They were weeping, they were crying, and Jesus wept with them. What a great compassionate Savior we have, amen. And then uh, Jesus said to the man, Hey, roll away the stone from the tomb. And Martha and Mary, no, 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 no. Lord, don't do that. He's been dead four days. By now he stinketh. By the way, when you've been dead four days, it's all right to stink, amen. (laughs) Just don't stink while you're living. And then she said, I remember. Jesus said, Lazarus. And you've heard it. But it's a good thing he said, Lazarus. If he hadn't, everybody in those tombs would have got up. <laughs> Lazarus, come forth. And she looked at Lazarus and thought, my brother was dead. And Jesus healed him. Simon was a leper. Jesus healed him. And I was a wicked woman, but Jesus cleansed me and made me whole. And she thought, I've got to do something for her. I've got to do something for him. And she looked it around. Then she thought, I've got this alabaster box. Uh, It's full of wonderful ointments. And she thought, now now think about it. When she did what she did, Judas and some of the other disciples said, why the waste could have been sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? And they had no concern for the poor. Okay. Okay. A waste. But she broke that alabaster box and she anointed the body of Jesus. That was probably about a pint, okay? So it ran probably all the way down to his feet. Can't you smell that aroma even now? <laughs> Think about it. What a beautiful. Could have been sold for 300 pence. It was worth about a year's salary. By the way, she didn't buy that at Walmart, okay? That was very, very expensive. But it wasn't a waste. Jesus had let her alone. She's done what she could. Don't bother that. Hey, then he said, by the way, you always have the poor with you. You can do with them. Anytime you want to, you won't have me all the way. Hey, Martha had been doing all kinds of things, but Mary had been sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she knew that in a few days, he was gonna be crucified. At the feet of Jesus, you learn a lot of things. And she thought, I've got to do something. And Jesus said, She's anointed my body for the burial. That's extravagant giving. And I cannot tell you how many times in the 40 years since I heard Dr. Overby preach on the joy of giving, that something has come to my mind and God has laid on my heart to give something. And many times, it's far more than I think I could do. But I've learned you ought to do it. Because if God lays it on your heart, God will provide for you. Are you a tither? If you're not, don't just walk out of here tonight and say, Well, that was a good message. No, no, no. That won't do you a bit of good. But if you're not a tither, one of the best things you can do is just find a place to pray. And say, dear Lord, I'm sorry for robbing you all these years, but from now on, I'm going to be a tither. You won't be sorry? Are you giving to missions? If you're not, it'd be a good idea to make a commitment tonight to yourself between you and God. I'm going to begin to give to missions above my tithe and offering on a weekly basis. Are you a joyful giver or a grouch? (laughs) Okay. Wouldn't it be good tonight to realize uh, we don't have to give. We get to give. And to give joyfully. And by the way, if you've never stretched yourself and been an extravagant giver, I challenge you. Do it. And watch God Provide for you The word give Is found in our King James Bible 811 times And for some reason people think We shouldn't talk about giving Why not 811 times In the Bible Thank you dear people for patiently listening It's my story But hey you can have a story just like that, okay? Let's pray together, Pastor. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's Beacon Baptist Church. Dot .org may the lord bless you